everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope that you've had a great week of taking the very best care of your patients. And today we're going to be talking about the basics on oral pH. So the term pH is a scientific acronym for potential hydrogen. The measurement of a substance or body determines whether it is more alkaline or more acidic, as we know. The pH scale ranges from 0 to 14, with 0 representing the most acidic substances and 14 representing the most alkaline. 7 is considered neutral. Different parts of us have different ideal pH levels. Healthy skin should be mildly acidic, around 5.5, while blood should be slightly basic, like 7.4. For healthy teeth and gums, our mouths should be as close to neutral as possible. Unhealthy mouths tend to be more acidic, which is very harmful to tooth enamel. Even though enamel is the hardest substance in the human body, it's very vulnerable to acid erosion. It will begin to erode at a pH of just 5.5. The pH of saliva at rest, like when we are sleeping, should be around 6.75 and considered safe. The body maintains the balance through the oxygen-carbon dioxide exchange and, of course, through filtration of waste disposals like your kidneys, intestines, and liver. But the first step, believe it or not, is saliva. Our pH balance starts in our mouths, but pH matters throughout the entire body. Studies have shown that lower or acidic pH levels are associated with a greater risk of serious health conditions, including type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney disease, heart disease and failure, and obesity. Studies have also shown a higher or alkaline pH levels are linked to improvements in memory and cognition, reduced pain, and lower risk of hypertension and stroke. On the other hand, when there's too much alkaline in the blood, a high pH level, a person is suffering from metabolic alkalosis. Metabolic alkalosis is attributed to alcohol abuse, adrenal disease, excess vomiting, abuse of diuretics, and laxative abuse. Another interesting link is pH levels and bone health. So extensive research has been conducted on the effects of pH on bone health, and studies have discovered that low acid diets can help improve bone density. According to Dr. Sarah Gottfried, the Journal of Nutrition published a study that stated that alkaline mineral waters can decrease bone resorption and even lower parathyroid hormone levels, which regulate the release of calcium from bone. Shifting back to oral pH focus, maintaining a neutral pH level protects the calcium phosphate that makes up our tooth enamel. While enamel is the hardest substance in the human body and won't dissolve in water, it is susceptible to corrosion when the pH falls below 5.5. Your body will give off warning signs if the pH in your mouth is out of balance, like persistent bad breath that won't go away, persistent sensitivity to cold and hot food and drinks, oral yeast infections, discoloration of teeth, and a growing number of cavities are all signs that you have a pH problem. So I guess our question should be, what will lead us to 
a uh, acidic oral environment. And, you know, we know a lot of this already, but I think it's something important for us to think through because just like we get over, I get overwhelmed in hygiene with all the things we have coming at us and all the different things there are to think about. So, um, you know, pH is something that I hadn't given a whole lot of thought to outside of just, you know, when I see patients with high decay rate, but it plays into so many other things. So I thought it was worthy of a conversation. So let's start with, you know, the obvious. And this is usually what I'll ask my patients when I'm, you know, looking at x-rays and I see a lot of incipient stuff going on or interproximal stuff is, hey, let's talk about what are you drinking? Um, you know, you know, we think about the acidity of what we're putting in our mouths and, you know, people immediately will say to me, well, I don't, I don't need a lot of candy and I don't need a lot of sweets. And I'll always say, okay, well, let's talk about what you're drinking because that's a big part of it. So what's interesting is the United States Environmental Protection Agency, our EPA, recommends that the pH of water sources be between six and a half and eight and a half on a scale of obviously zero to 14. The best pH water to drink is exactly in the middle. It's neutral of seven. So here's something that is very, very interesting as that I came across as we were preparing for this podcast you know, bottled water, I feel like it's become the norm, very common these days. And obviously people are trying to avoid contaminants of tap water. So we go to the bottled water. But what we need to be aware of is that all bottled water is not the same when it comes to pH. And this is something we need to educate our patients on. So it really depends on where the water originates from and how it is treated. And there are a couple of really prevalent brands out there that have an acidic pH. So Dasani, um, which is one I know that, you know, is very, very popular. It actually has a very acidic pH. Remember we said enamel starts to break down at 5.5. Dasani actually has a 4.5 pH. And if that's something we're sipping on throughout the day, that's a very dangerous thing. And here we are thinking we're doing something great. Um, Deer Park is a 5.5. Aquafina is uh, 5.5 to 7. Um, Kroger brand water, um, which is a grocery store we have here in Georgia, actually is right at neutral at 7.0. We have Smart Water, which is 7.2. Nestle Pure Life is 7.3. Evian is 7.4. And Fiji is 7.7. So I wanted to just throw some of those out as I know some of those are really common brands for us to be aware of. So we might be asking ourselves, if the EPA recommends that the pH lie between six and a half and eight and a half, why are several of these brands so much lower? Well, the EPA considers pH to be a secondary standard for bottled water. Secondary standards are those guidelines that regulate contaminants that can have aesthetic or cosmetic effects on drinking water. This includes impurities that can affect the color, taste, or smell of your water. The EWG, which is the Environmental Working Group, is an organization dedicated to protecting human health and the environment, and it has classified bottled water companies based on the transparency with which they disclose information about their water sources, access to water quality analysis reports, and water treatment methods. According to EWG, Nestle Pure Life Water, Gerber Pure Purified Water and Pinta Ultra Purified Water are the leaders in bottled water with the most transparent labels. uh, There are currently two other water options to consider, and I just need to say for a second that I am no expert on this, Um, but alkaline water is, uh, there's so much information out there about how health, all the health benefits that come from that. 
um, and hydrogen water as well. So I'm going to encourage you, maybe that's something we can you know, look into down the road for a future pod podcast. But if you're hearing this and that you're, that's interesting to you, do your research because there's a lot out there. I kind of started getting sucked into the rabbit hole as I was reading about it. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, I feel like sports drinks right now are super popular. Um, and those tend to range anywhere from 2.73 to 3.81. So really acidic pH for those. Um, soda ranges pretty much kind of in the same. It's a two and a half to three and a half with its main ingredient being phosphoric acid, uh, but also packs an extra punch as it can be loaded with sugar. And before we think we're off the hook with diet sodas, they still contain the phosphoric acid and both aspartame and sucralose, which are commonly used in the diet drinks, also have a pH of three to three and a half. Um, coffee, surprisingly, is actually a little closer to neutral, but obviously still acidic in the 4.8 to 5.1 range. We know it takes somewhere between 15 to 30 minutes, depending on saliva flow and the buffering capabilities, for your saliva to return things to normal levels after exposure. So the recommendation should be to limit acidic beverages, but if our patients are going to have them, I usually recommend that they drink them within a 20-minute time period versus sipping all day long. Um, you know, sipping all day, drinking every 15 to 20 minutes or so, your teeth get attacked every 15 to 20 minutes, and then your saliva never has a chance to return your mouth and body to their average pH levels. And just like a literal war, when the fight lasts too long, the soldiers get weary and their resources get depleted. Battles are lost this way. We know this. We see it all day long in the mouth and on the x-rays. And so, you know, that is a conversation I have when I start talking to patients about, hey, tell me what you're drinking all day. You know, and you, you do have obviously those patients that are like, oh, I drink five Dr. Peppers a day. I know I need to be better about that. Um, but then you have those patients that say, you know, I, I do maybe two or three cups of coffee. And I start asking questions like, tell me about that, especially now with so many people working from home. Um, you know, that first cup of coffee may last an hour and a half. They may reheat it a couple of times because they're sipping on it as they're working. So that's something to be mindful and help our patients understand that they need to have it in a shorter interval. I usually say, hey, drink it, drink it with a meal, have it with a meal, or be dedicated to finishing it in about 20 minutes. So I want to transition, obviously, to food. We know that digestion of carbohydrates begins in the mouth, where they immediately break down into sugars. And the interaction between the sugar and the plaque gives off an acid, and this acid slowly erodes or dissolves the enamel. Obviously, we've got to consider a diet high in sugary foods, not just basic carbs, but sugary foods and then the natural acidity, things like citrus fruits, um, obviously are a contributing factor. We've probably all seen those patients that have just that really abnormal um, enamel erosion on the facial surfaces, of the anterior teeth. And, you know, we start asking questions and they're like, oh, yeah, I really like lemons a lot. I kind of suck on lemons. We've obviously seen the damage that can do so. I think we've got to think through with our patients, you know, what are they drinking? What are they eating that's leading to their general pH? And I just want to point out some irony here. If you're watching on YouTube, then you're seeing me sit my Starbucks <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, I did have my coffee this morning as well. So excuse the hypocrisy. Excuse the hypocrisy here. Um, 
So uh, a 2016 study showed that long-term tobacco usage, especially smokeless tobacco, can lower the pH as well as contribute to dry mouth, decreasing remineralization, as we know. So for people who live in reality on planet Earth, we need a few workarounds. I know that I most certainly do. (laughs) So here are a few things um, we can all do to avoid lowering our pH to the point of demineralization and a few things to help support our bodies while it maintains our healthy pH balance. So some do's and don'ts here. So don't brush immediately after meals or after vomiting. Do rinse with water to remove acid after meals or vomiting and wait 30 minutes before brushing. Don't eat citrus fruits alone. Do eat citrus with a glass of water. Don't drink too many soft drinks, coffee, sports drinks, and so on and so forth. Do drink plenty of water and have sodas at mealtime with other more alkaline foods for balance. Don't eat a heavy, uh, don't eat a diet heavy in carbohydrates and sugar. Do eat a balanced diet that includes a variety of fruits and vegetables, especially leafy green vegetables and melons. Don't use too many condiments as they are loaded with sugar. Do use calcium like in dairy to neutralize acids. Don't ignore a dry mouth. No saliva means no restoration of pH. Do chew sugarless gum like xylitol, containing xylitol to stimulate salivary production. Don't skip brushing. Do use toothpaste with baking soda, which is naturally alkaline. Don't snack all day. Do have excellent oral hygiene habits that reduce plaque and harmful bacteria. Drinking plenty of water is one of the best things we know we can do for our oral health and overall well-being. And obviously, based off of what we just talked about, we need to be mindful of the water we're drinking and make sure that it also has a neutral um, pH to help buffer that. Um, Another thing that's a big part of and a big driver of oral pH is obviously acid reflux. Um, And we know that acid reflux involves a malfunctioning of the valve that separates the esophagus from the stomach. And during normal healthy function, this valve only operates on a one-way basis, letting food pass from the esophagus into the stomach and preventing stomach acid from moving backwards into the esophagus. So we know that reflux means that the valve isn't doing its job and stomach acid is moving backwards, back up into the mouth. Stomach acid is extremely acidic, ranging from one and a half to three and a half on the pH scale. This low pH helps break down food and continue the process of digestion. The stomach lining can handle this low pH, but the esophagus and mouth cannot. In cases of chronic acid reflux, the affected person suffers a low pH in the mouth as well due to the backflow of stomach acid. So in order to manage the discomfort of acid reflux, many people take over-the-counter and prescription medications. While these drugs may alleviate the symptoms of heartburn, they unfortunately also can cause dry mouth. So we've got the issue of acidity being much higher, and then we're going to compound that with a dry mouth where the saliva can't buffer that out. So People with reflux really can have a big um, battle when it comes to decay prevention and having really healthy teeth. Um, We've got to also consider systemic acidity. So we talked about, you know, obviously pH isn't just what's happening in our mouths. It can happen. Obviously, we've got different levels in different places in our bloodstream, in our stomach acid, in our bone health. So let's look at what can cause some systemic acidity, thinking more of like in the blood. So undiagnosed celiac disease is a big deal. So if you've got patients that are talking about, you know, they have um, issues with gluten, 
um, and you notice that there's more decay going on, that might be part of their story. Um, low stomach acid. So like we just talked about, if we've got patients that are taking either over-the-counter or prescription medications, TPIs, um, you know, low stomach acid is something that drives the pH as well. So, and low stomach acid can come from stress, age, and long-term use of PPIs, as well as dehydration. And we, here's a really, really important thing that we've got to keep in mind. We need minerals to produce stomach acid. So walk this circle with me. So when we have low stomach acid, we need more minerals. So our body leaches from our teeth and bone. So when we've got patients that we see that have been on PPIs for 10, 15, 20 years, and we notice that they are having more incipient areas going on, we need to have that conversation like, hey, your stomach acid is low and you, in order to fix that, you need more minerals and your body's trying to find them. So it leaches it out of our teeth and bone. That's a really important conversation to have with patients. PPIs were not meant to take for long-term use. And we have a lot of patients that are using them that way. And that can be really detrimental long-term to their health. Um, we know obviously nutritional deficiencies are a big deal, especially if we're lacking the minerals, like we just talked about, electrolytes and protein. And then also um, systemic acidity can come from an H. pylori infection. So I want to shift just a little bit to talking about, you know, we can very easily test pH chair side. Um, it's super easy. It's super economical. And there's really a myriad of options out there. So there's a lot of different pH test strips available in the market. They are really inexpensive. What a great way to bring awareness and education to our patients when it comes to decay prevention. So if you've got somebody that, um, you know, you're consistently seeing things crop up, you're, you're seeing that incipient, you're seeing new decay, what a great way to just say, hey, let's just take a quick look at your pH and see what that looks like. Um, or even recommending that they get some strips and do it at home. But here's a few things to keep in mind if we're doing that testing. So, and this can get a little tricky because patients are popping in in the middle of their day for us. So let's just be mindful of this, that you want to make sure you don't eat or drink anything for at least two hours before you take the test, because you want to measure what your true pH is, your resting pH. Um, so first, let your saliva pool in your mouth and then spit or swallow it. And then take a few minutes to fill your mouth with saliva once more. Put a small amount of your saliva on the pH test strip. And then the, obviously the test strip will change colors within a few minutes. And you can then match it up to the color chart that came with your test kit. So that's a great way to just start the conversation with your patient, make them more aware. Um, these strips are so economical that it's easy for them to measure on, uh, to order their own bottle and have it at home and start kind of being mindful of that. Help them you know, empower them to take control of that. Um, there's also a really interesting um, test out there. Silha makes it. And I'll say, I, you know, I have not tried this test, but it seemed very interesting to me. Um, I was looking at it online, looking at the results. I'm like, this is actually a lot of really great information. Um, but Silha offers a salivary analysis and it actually looks for cariogenic bacteria, the acidity, the buffer capacity, how many minerals there are in there, presence of blood and white blood cells, and then protein content and ammonia. So that's just something that's really interesting to me. 
Um, again, I start to get overwhelmed when I think of all the options that are out there that we can do for patients. But if this is something that's interesting to you, check it out. Um, just Google Silha salivary analysis, and it'll show you their test reports and, and what it all looks like. So that's an option as well. If you've got somebody that you're really struggling um, and you're just not able to, to kind of get on top of the decay issues, that would be a good option. Lastly, I think let's just talk about what we can do for these patients. How can we help them? Obviously, I think testing is a good start because I think that drives some behavioral changes for what they are, you know, maybe consuming and eating and drinking. Maybe it motivates them to get any sort of reflux or systemic issue under control. I've had some patients lately that have been on PPIs for a long time, and we've had the conversation of maybe kind of talking to more of a functional medicine doctor to see what they could do to help lifestyle changes that might be able to help them get off of those medications. Um, but, you know, testing is a great start just for mindfulness and, and motivation to change the daily habits. But then also there are some great products out there. Um, one thing I'm super easy and basic that I recommend to patients, I know Brittany was saying, you know, you don't brush right after having your coffee or having something really acidic because the concept there is, that acidity, acidity has already started to break down the enamel, and then you brush on top of that, and it kind of, you know, makes that more fastidious as far as the breakdown goes. But one way to immediately neutralize that without the mechanical brushing is to rinse with a little baking soda and water mixture. So I have recommended to patients, hey, take a bottle of water, maybe something like the Kroger or the Evian or the Fuji, something on the neutral side of things. Um, and add a couple of tablespoons of baking soda to it and just keep that so you've got it ready to go. You just shake that up and do a couple of rinses right after. That's a great way to neutralize that acidity right away. Um, I'm a big fan of baking soda toothpaste in general. That's what I use myself personally. Um, and then there's some really great products out there. Um, Revitin toothpaste is really intriguing to me. Um, it actually has oral probiotics as well as vitamins and minerals and you're, you're doing more of a remineralization. Um, Risewell's great. It's a fluoride-free. It's got hydroxyapatite. I talk about carry-free all the time. We use that in our practice. It's got the hydroxyapatite and the xylitol. Um, and then obviously, Brittany said it earlier too, but chewing gum is a great way to get that salivary flow going, get those minerals flowing, um, especially for your dry mouth patients. Um, I am a big proponent of the xylitol in that. People don't realize xylitol has a natural um, neutralization ability. So that's a great thing, but it also binds to communication sites between bacteria. So they can't talk to each other because that's how that process works. Those bacteria find weak spots and they reach out to their buddies and communicate and say, hey guys, lunch is over here, come join me. So if you can shut that communication down as well as neutralize, that's a really, really great way to help our patients be successful with, you know, conquering the acidity issues and decay. Brittany, do you have thoughts on pH with this? No, I mean, I think this is a well-rounded podcast and I was just thinking that I'm so thankful that the word fastidious is very impressive on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. My verbal brain, my verbal brain comes out sometimes. <laughs> no, we hope sometimes it totally locks up. So you just never know what you're going to get. You don't, but man, I was so pleasantly surprised. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I hope this has been helpful to everybody. Um, 
I would love, love, love for any input anybody has. If anybody's got some products that they've seen some really great results with or some, you know, information that they know on this, um, you know, we talked about the, the different types of water, the hydrogen water. Um, if you guys know more about that, come share it with us. Join us on our Mighty Network if you haven't already. It is free to join. You just download Mighty Networks on your uh, phone and then search Bulletproof Hygiene. Hop in and join us. Let's have conversations. Let's connect. Let's do this together. Um, I also want to say, if you haven't marked your calendar already, we have our next summit planned for 2023. So it is going to be in August 11th and 12th in Las Vegas at the Wynn Hotel. So you do not want to miss this. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be all of us coming together, collaborating, talking, leaning on each other, learning and growing, which is what Bulletproof Hygiene is all about. So come join us on our Mighty Network. Let's talk pH and everyone have a great week. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.